My daughter-in-law, Elizabeth, will be guest writing. She, she is doing it every Wednesday, and so it shows up on Thursday. So hopefully you'll, you'll read that. Well, how many of you remember what we talked about last week here in our class? Anyone? Give me a good quick summary. What do you think? Zane, you're always right, Johnny, on the spot. You want me to give you a hint? Did you ever hear of a man named Aiken? AI? Amen. You remember last week we talked about how that they, when God gave Israel the victory in chapter 7, when he gave them the victory over Jericho, he told them, he said, don't take any of the devoted things. Destroy it all. There were very few exceptions to that rule. There were a few gold items and brass items that he wanted to be used uh, and saved so that down the road that when they built a permanent resting place for the Ark of the Covenant that they could use that. But he said everything else, he said including the people, the men, the women, the children, the dogs, the sheep, the cats, everything, they are to be devoted to destruction. And he said, don't take any of it uh, among your, your, your families and your clans. But a man named Achan did. He snuck some of it into his tent and buried it underneath his tent. And because of that, when Israel went into battle against Ai, God could not bless them. And, and there, there was a lot more to it. I mean, they didn't, they didn't ask God what to do and how to do it. They didn't seek God for, for his plan. Uh, they just kind of looked at it with this mentality that it just lackadaisical it's like well man we've won this great big battle and this is just little bitty ai we don't need all of god's resources here uh we can get by with just a little bit and to make a long story short he just sent a few men up there and ai came out against them and and put them on the run killed 36 of them and uh, just destroyed their morale. But then later they discovered that the real reason for their defeat was because there was sin in the camp. Because Achan had stolen and taken from those devoted things and had hidden them. And so as we left last week, they had taken Achan and his family, his entire family, outside of the camp. And they stoned them to death. Aren't you thankful for grace? Aren't you thankful for grace? And they stoned he and his family and everything that belonged to him so that they could send the message that this is a very, very serious thing. And so with that, then we come to Joshua chapter 8. And here we are. Uh, Israel could have been demoralized by the defeat. They could have started doubting. Uh, they could have taken the mentality and the attitude that, man, we just, we just failed miserably. And now we don't know if God's going to bless us or not. And so they needed to get their heads wrapped around what to do now after they've had this great failure. Now, if you've ever had a great failure in your life, you know that it can be very difficult to pick up from that spot and move forward. When we have fallen short of the glory of God, when we have done something that we know that we should not be doing or thinking or our attitudes or our actions, it's really hard sometimes for us to get ourselves together. And that's the reason so many people just give up and quit because they think, I just cannot do this. I cannot be holy. 
I cannot live the way that I should. And so they just stop altogether. But that's not the answer. The answer is to, to do like Proverbs describes and says, you know, even if you fall seven times, get back up, dust yourself off and let God move you forward. And so this is where we are going into Joshua chapter eight. Are they going to get up and continue or are they, are they just going to quit? And so let's begin at verse one in chapter eight of Joshua. It says, now the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Take all of the people of war with you and arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. Now, for them to be able to pick up and move on, the, the most important for them, the most important thing for them to have was the encouragement that came from God Himself. To know that they were forgiven, to know that things were reset, and that God had not stopped the process of His plan working in their lives. You remember, he had, he had said all the way back at the beginning, he said, I'm going to give you all of this land. He said, it's going to happen. It's going to come into your possession. And here, after one battle at Jericho, they find themselves in a place of defeat. And now they have to wonder, is, is this really going to happen or is this not? You know, I've spent most of my life, it seems like, wondering whether or not God was going to come through in the sense that it's not that I didn't have faith, but I didn't see what I thought I ought to be seeing. It wasn't matching what God was saying. And what I had to learn and what I still have to learn is that in those times and those moments when we cannot see what God has already clearly said, we have to keep moving forward and walking as though what we haven't seen has already taken place in the spirit realm. And so God is saying to them, he said, look, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Now this time, take all of the people of war with you. Don't be afraid. So he was encouraging them. They had stumbled. They had fallen in, in chapter 7. And they had this failure and they needed to move on. So what they needed now was for God to say to them, look, the past is the past. It's gone. Don't live today in yesterday's failures. And how many of us do that so often? I remember I failed him back in 1973. I know that I failed him back in 1978. Back in 1987, I made a huge mistake. You know, I, I remember one time I was going through that in my mind and I, I, we had been assigned to a place in ministry and it was just one of those places that, man, I just didn't fit there. I mean, I just did not fit. And you'd have to be in ministry to understand. And I, I remember trying to analyze it and thinking, God, did you send me here or did you not send me here? Did you bring me here or did I just get in my flesh 
and make a decision. I, I've always believed that in our lives when it comes to decision-making time, we can make good decisions or God decisions. A good decision is based on the principles of God's word, even though we may have not audibly or spiritually heard the voice of God. But we make a good decision based on what the Logos has to say to us, and we analyze it, and we get the knowledge that we need, and then we attach wisdom, wisdom to it. And even though we've not heard this voice from heaven, we can make good decisions. And then there are other times that God just speaks very clearly. It may not be audibly. I can't say that I've ever heard God's voice audibly in my life. Maybe you have. I never have. But there have been times that his voice and his direction has been so clear to me that I could not mistake it for anything else. I knew that it was God's plan. But I remember one day I was praying in that season of my life and I said, you know, Lord, if I messed up and if I missed you, I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't do it because I was trying to displease you. I didn't do it because I was trying to get out of your will. I didn't do it for those reasons. I did it because for whatever reasons, I thought in my mind that this is what I should do, even though it probably was not what I should have done. And I remember asking the Lord to forgive me and to help me. And, you know, Lord, I know that I'm here and I don't want to hurt these people. And, and I, you know, if you need me to stay here, I'll stay as long as you want me to stay here. But if, it's, if I got outside of your plan and outside of your will, then, Lord, you know how to redirect my life and my ministry and get me where I need to be and back in your will for my life. And that's exactly what God did. But here's the point. We make mistakes sometimes. We make poor decisions and poor judgments sometimes. God's not angry with us. He will take those situations and help us to learn from it. And then he will stand us up and he will, he will clean us up. And he will say, now let's go forward. And that's exactly what is happening here. He said, don't be afraid. He's not necessarily just talking about don't be afraid of AI. But he's saying, don't be afraid in any way. Don't be afraid that you, have, uh, that, that you have voided my will for your life. Don't walk every day with this fear that, well, I made a mistake, and so now God's not going to be able to use me. God's not going to be able to do this. Oh, yeah, God's big enough that he can use that situation and move you forward. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Just do it different next time. Take all the people of war with you. And arise and go up. And he said, see, I have given into your hand the king of Ai. There again, the structure of the wording here is that he's already done did it. it, it it's, it's a done deal. He, say, he said, see that I have given into your hand the king of Ai. When did he do that? When he promised it before. When he said, I'm going to give you every piece of land that your foot hits. And now he says, I have already given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only this time I'm going to let you keep the spoil and the cattle and take it as booty uh, for yourselves. And so don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. And uh, let, let's move on now. Let's move on to the next uh, few verses. 
He says, in verses 3 through 8, he says, So Joshua arose and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor. How many did he choose the time before? Anybody remember? What's that? 3,000. 3,000 is the right number. Uh, You can find that in Joshua chapter 7, verse 4, if you need to. This time... He chose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them saying, behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city behind the city. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. Then I and all the people who are, are with me will approach the city and it will come about when they come out against us at the first that we shall flee before them. For they will come out after us Till we have drawn them from the city, for they will say, they are fleeing before us as at first. In other words, just like they did the last time. Therefore, we will flee before them. Then you shall rise from the ambush and seize the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it will be when you have taken the city that you will set the city on fire According to the commandment of the Lord, you shall do, see, I have commanded you. Now, it's interesting to me that instead of going up with 3,000 men, he goes up with 30,000 men. Now, Ai was the same size. It hadn't grown in a matter of a few hours. It was the same uh, strategic defense. Everything was the same except... Joshua now, under the anointing and using the wisdom of God, he said, let's don't take this thing lightly. Let's don't go in there with 3,000 men. God says, take all the mighty men of valor and go up. All the men of war and go up. So now, 30,000 are going up. Here's what strikes me about this. is that Sometimes we want to conserve our resources. You know, we have all these resources that God has given us, and we want to stockpile it all. We just want to put it in this stockpile, and we say, well, I don't really need to use all of it. I can just resource a little bit of this out. And a lot of times, we don't give the necessary resources to what needs, uh, that, that is needed for that particular job or that particular situation. And so in this, in this incident, Joshua said, we're not going to fool around with this this time. God has promised the victory, but God said, take all of the mighty men of war. And so we're going to take 30,000 up there this time. They were well stocked for war. Now, how that applies to our lives is that we can't just say, well, if, if, if we just get by on a little bit, if we just sow a little bit of seed into this, and we just sow a little bit of prayer into this. I don't really have time to really intercede. I don't really have time to take hold of the horns of the altar. I, I'm, I'm a busy individual. I don't have time for all of that. So I just sow a little bit of seed into this. And when we sow a little bit, then we know that Scripture tells us that if we sow a little, we're going to reap a little. And so we have to. sometimes we have to sow more into the situation than, than what we initially thought would be necessary. And so he takes 30,000 mighty men of valor and they, they go up to regain the victory. And he commanded them saying, Behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city behind the city. Now this was a direct command of God. 
Now, you have to think in Joshua's mind that he might have thought, okay, I've got 30,000 men. We went against Jericho and we destroyed them. I, I don't have to play tricks with AI. I don't have to play this little game with them. But God said, set an ambush for them. He said, I don't want you to rush the city and go in there uh, full force. I want you to draw them out. We're going to play with them a little bit. You remember me talking Sunday about playing with the cat, you know, with the, with the little laser pointer? God's saying, I want you to do it this way. He said, I want you to send a group of guys around behind the city, do it at night when they can't see you and get them in position. And then the next day, I want you to take a few and go up. And when they see you, they're going to say, let's go out and get, in, get them. And as they came out, Joshua actually turned and ran. Now, I don't, I, I don't know how competitive you are. Do we have any competitive people in the house tonight? If you're very competitive, <laughs> Shirley's raising Doug hand for him. If you're very competitive, there are times that you just, you just, you know that you can beat this individual. Or you know that you have the power. And to play tricks or to ambush and to run like they're getting ready to run, it, it doesn't set well with people uh, who are competitive. But that's what God said for them to do. And he said, when you do that, when they start to come out to you, they're going to say, we're going to go defeat them just like we did the last time. And when they come out, I want you to turn and run away from them as though you were afraid of them. And so that's exactly what happened. As they began to come after them, then they turned and went the other way. He said, behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city and behind the city. Now let's look at verses 9 and 10. It says, Joshua therefore sent them out and they went out to lie in ambush and stayed between Bethel and Ai. And on the west side of Ai, but Joshua lodged that night among the people. Then Joshua rose up early in the morning and mustered the people and went up, he and the elders of Israel, before the people to Ai. Now in this passage of scripture, there's a very important statement here that we sometimes just pass over. And it is that Joshua lodged that night among the people. Joshua stayed among his people. And there are a couple of reasons for that. Number one, they needed to feel the presence of their leader. They needed to know that Joshua was close by, that he was near. I mean, after all, it was Joshua who was giving all of the directions. It was Joshua who was saying, do this, do that, go here, go, go there in this particular way. Joshua was giving the directions. Joshua was the one that they looked to. And I've discovered through life that there are times when you just need to be at peace knowing that your, your divinely assigned leader is among you. And that, that he, is, he is there, he or she, whichever the situation may be, is there and they've not left you out in the cold. But, but they are there among you and they're with you. You know, I've always, when Donna and I have taken on an assignment, we've always tried, uh, we've always tried to present ourselves in such a way that we could be approachable 
among the people that God has asked us to minister to. And, and sometimes it makes it takes adjustments in my life in order to do that. Uh, I, I, I've told you this story before, but I remember one of our first ministry assignments was in Fort Worth, Texas, in Hearst, Texas, actually. And they took us out on this birthday dinner, and they brought the menu out, and it was on a cleaver. And they brought the menu to us, and there were no prices on it. And this little southern Illinois farm boy didn't know what that meant. And, and I found out and discovered later what that, what that meant was is that I couldn't afford anything on the menu. That, that's what it meant. Because if there's no price, if you've got to have a price, you don't even need to be there. And I discovered that pretty quickly. And we were with a group of people that had resources and they had means and God had blessed them and they had, uh, they had been blessed in big ways and, and, and one of them just kind of leaned over to me and he said, don't worry about it. He said, get what you want. I got you covered tonight. And I thought, oh, hallelujah, praise God. <laughs> Gave me an entirely different perspective. But there I was at this steakhouse. I was with the people that I was trying to lead. But in that instance, I had, I had to come to a, to a place that I was not comfortable with in order to be among the people that God had put me with. I've had to learn how to raise my pinky at times. I've, I've had to learn how to uh, move to the side when they come with the little uh, the brooms and they sweep the crumbs off the tablecloth into this. Uh, the first time they did that, I thought to myself, my mama would never allow that to happen in our house now. I'm just telling you. And, you know, I've, I've been in places where they had little matchbooks with your name on it and, and all that kind of stuff. And I, I wasn't raised that way. I mean, I was raised in this little farm community, and, and I, did, I don't know how to act in places like that. And I oftentimes felt Donna kicking me under the, the table, you know, and, and I knew. And she, she said, look, it's because, you, you know, you, if you're going to be there, you got to act like you belong there, son. And I didn't know how to do that. But I'm saying that there are times that you have to adjust in order to uh, fulfill the destiny that God has for you. I've been on the flip side of that as well. I've been in places where, you know, I had, I had to bring it down a notch or two. I, I, had, to, I had to bring it down. I, I'll never forget uh, when I was in state work, I, I was assigned by the overseer to go to a church uh, and take care of some business on his behalf. And, and we just always, when we went to do business, we dressed in black suit, white shirt, and red tie. I mean, you didn't ask any questions. That's just the way you did it. You wore your finest shoes. You didn't wear socks with polka dots on them like I do sometimes. You, you looked the part because you never knew, uh, you know, what you were going into. And I went into this situation, and I mean, it's way out in the, in the boondocks and and, you know, just I, I knew when I stepped in the door, this is not good. I'm way overdressed for this assignment. And they're not going to they're not going to even hear me speak. This is going to create a situation that will prevent them from hearing what needs to be said about this situation. So as soon as I got in the door and they introduced me, I said, listen, I was raised in southern Illinois in a little farming community I, I, I didn't walk around in black suits, white shirts, and red ties. I said, I, I walked around in, in bib overalls and things like that. And I said, if you don't mind, 
I said, I'd like to get this meeting off to a good start. And I said, I'd like to get, uh, to get some appropriate attire on. And I took my jacket off and I undid my tie and I un- unbuttoned my, you know, my, my shirt button and all that. And when I started doing that, the people started clapping their hands and saying, Woo! Yeah, we finally got it. Somebody real from the state office. And I, you know, I, you, you just have to present yourself sometimes in a way that will allow you to have the influence in that situation that you need to have. And that's not just me, but it's you as well. You know, you find yourself in situations on a daily basis where my presence there wouldn't help at all because I don't have any influence with those people, but you do have influence. And if you want to run from it, or if you want to hold yourself up above it, you may never be able to have the influence that you need to be able to change the circumstance and situation. Now, Joshua knew that they were just a little bit timid because of what had happened the last time. I mean, they, they had seen, some of them had seen their loved ones killed by the sword, by AI. They were chased. I mean, it was, it was a bad situation. And now here Joshua is again saying, we're going to go back up in there and we're going to take this thing because God has said that he has given us the land. But rather than going back to his VIP tent, the scripture says that he stayed right there among the people so that they could draw comfort from his presence there. You know, sometimes we just need to comfort people. Sometimes rather trying to fix everything, sometimes we just need to comfort people. I'm amazed at these daycare workers that, that are working back here and They can do things that I just couldn't do. I'm telling you, I've seen them in situations already in this short period of time that I would be pulling my hair out. And the other day, we've got a young girl and and she came in, it's a baby, and she just has had a hard time adjusting. I mean, it's just, there have been times of just screaming bloody murder. I mean, just screaming, screaming, screaming. And, you know, what do you do? You, 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 you appease them as best as you can. You try to help them as best as you can. And I tell you what I would do. I would have called the parents up and said, look, I don't care how much money you're paying us. Come get this kid because <laughs> we can't handle it. We're not, we're not good enough for this. And I walking down the hall one day and, I, and, and this little girl sitting in Kate's lap and she's just, she just cooing and laughing and just having a good time. And, and, and I try to hold my voice down because I'm pretty loud and obnoxious anyway. What, we're even now. Don't, don't get ahead of me. <laughs> loud and obnoxious. And, and she's sitting there and she's just at, at peace and having a good... And Kate said, she said, you know, I just decided that the Lord promised us that we had certain promises and that we could take authority over certain things. And she said, I just started praying for her and saying, Lord, I just, whatever it is that's causing her to feel uh, uneasy and whatever, I bind it in the name of Jesus and command it to go and, and just laying hands on that little girl. And, and the difference is just amazing. I mean, Kate could have thrown her over in the corner and said, stay there until your mom comes get you, but just her presence there. I've seen the same thing with Carolyn, and, and, and now Amy's been here for the last few days, and, and, and I've seen it at work in their lives, and I've seen Terry. She's in there uh, working and, and, and helping out from time to time. 
God uses them in that situation to be influencers. And that's what was happening here. Joshua was among the people and he was saying, uh, you know, it's going to be okay. Don't forget, God said, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. We don't have to wonder if this victory is going to work out on our behalf. It is. God's already promised. He's already given us the victory. He's already done did it. So all we have to do now is just walk it out by faith and it will happen even as the Lord says. Now, uh, we, it, it, it's interesting how that, I, I mentioned this to you a couple of weeks ago. Joshua in the Old Testament is the same name as Jesus in the New Testament. It's just the difference between Hebrew and Greek. Joshua was a forerunner to some degree of the Messiah who would come. And so as, as Joshua is there among the people, he's not only comforting them, but he is bringing and delivering uh, salvation to them through the promises of God, just like Jesus did in the, New, in the New Testament. And so they knew that their victory would come when they stayed in the presence of Joshua, who was their God-called deliverer, if you will. And the same is true for us today. Our victory comes when we walk in and stay in constant contact with our Savior, Jesus Christ. Everything about our life has to come from Him and flow from Him. He is our portion. In Him we live and move and have our being. Everything about us flows from Him. He says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. Just like Joshua, I'm going to make my tent right where you are. And when I go away and spend eternity in the heavenlies uh, interceding for you, then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit of God and he shall not just be around you or in the vicinity, he's actually going to come and be in you. So, I, you know, again, we've talked about this before. I don't have to ask where God is. I know where he is all the time. He's in me. And not only is he in me, he's in you. And if we, can, if we can just relax in that and realize that everything we face, we're not facing it alone, but we're facing it because God is with us. Verses 11 through 13, and all the people of war who were with him went up and drew near and they came before the city and camped on the north side of Ai. I'm trying to find my phone so I can see what time it is. Oh yeah, I got time drew near and they came before the city and camped on the north side of Ai. Now a valley lay between them and Ai. So he took about 5,000 men, set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, and when they had set the people, all the army that was on the north of the city and its rear guard on the west of the city, Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. So they, they go at night and they position themselves exactly as, as God has told them to position. And I could preach there for a little while. You know, God has told us how to position ourselves for blessing. I mean, it, it, should, be, it, it should be not a hard thing at all for us to position ourselves for blessing. For us to sow the proper seeds. It's like I was talking Sunday and I went home 
you know, and I, I always revisit the messages and I, and sometimes I feel, I, I feel like a, a meanie pants, you know, when I go home because I've, I've said things that I've said and, and, and yet it's so true. And, and if a pastor can't speak into people's lives and you can't hear those things that are being said, then how are you ever going to improve? How are you ever going to change your situation if you don't do something different? And it seems so easy to me. It just seems so simple to me to not yoke myself together with an, with an unbeliever. That, to me, that's a no-brainer. And, and not only when it comes to a relationship with the opposite sex, but in my business dealings and, 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 and my dealings with other people. Psalm chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. I mean, I, hey, there are people. I, I don't even know if I should go here, but I, I have a brother-in-law several, several years ago that was pastoring a congregation and hiding sin in his life and living a homosexual lifestyle. And where it started was he started going to a secular counselor who started telling him that it doesn't matter what this book says. What matters is, is that you be true to yourself and that you give those feelings that you have the opportunity to, to uh, manifest in you so that you can find true happiness. It's a bunch of malarkey. You know, when God speaks very clearly about any subject, our responsibility is to always side with Scripture. It's to always position ourselves in the realm of the Spirit by doing what God has called us to do. Not just be hearers of the Word, but be doers of the Word because the blessing comes when? There you go. You guys have learned that in the last five years. So when we do what God says do, then, then it happens and it works out the way that God wants it to work out. Now let's move on. Now it happened when the king of Ai saw it, and the men of the city hurried and rose early and went out against Israel to battle. He and all his people at an appointed place before the plain. But he did not know that there was an ambush against him in the city. And Joshua and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them and fled by the way of the wilderness. So all the people who were in Ai were called together to pursue them. And they pursued Joshua and they were drawn away from the city. There was not a man left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. So they left the city open and pursued Israel. In other words, they let their defenses down so that Israel could come in and defeat them. Let's read on. Then the Lord said to Joshua, stretch out the spear that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. Uh, I, I want to stop reading there because this is the main statement that I wanted to deal with. God starts processes to victory in our lives. And as long as we remain in that process, victory comes. And victory is maintained. It's when we cease that process or we, or we shut down that process too early that then God cannot do what God desires to do. And do you remember 
Moses when he, they were fighting the battle and he's up on the hillside and Aaron and her are there with him and he begins to, he lifts his hands. And the scripture says that as long as Moses' hands are up in the air, they won. They, were, they, they would win. But then he got tired and his hands would been, begin to fall down. What was happening? The process was being modified. It was being modified by fleshly circumstances. Hey, we can understand that if you have to stand here for hours on end like this, your arms are going to get tired. They will. In the flesh, in these fleshly bodies, you will not be able to do in the flesh unless you have some supernatural assistance. And so God sends Aaron and her along, and they said, we're going to hold your hands up for you. And they hold his hands up. And, of course, he wins the battle. And here we see in Joshua chapter 18, or verse 8, 8 and verse 18, it says, Stretch out the spear that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. Now, what we see here is different than what we saw with Moses. Because what, Moses, what we saw with Moses was a physical action that God required. It was something that he had to do in his flesh that had to be maintained until the victory was complete. And God knew that he couldn't do it in his own flesh, and so he sent helpers along to help him do that. It, it's very clear that when his hands came down, they started losing the battle. When they went back up, they started winning. When they went back down, they started losing. When they went back up, he started winning. There was a physical command by God to keep your hands up. In this situation, the wording is different. And I'll have to close. It just clicked over to eight. So you have to come back next, next week. To, no, I'm just kidding. What he's saying here is to him, as the king, or as the leader, he wasn't the king, as the leader, Joshua gave a command by pointing that spear as God told him to do. But he was not required in this command to keep the spear in the air. He gave a command to his battle leaders and said, Do not cease to do battle until you hear that I have modified that command and called you off. So the picture that we get is that Joshua's just standing there with a spear in his hand all day long, and that's not what's happening there. He gives a command, and he says, remain in this position, this protocol, until you receive a different word from me. How many times has God given us a protocol, a word and we modify it because we get tired of doing what God called us to do or asked us to do or commanded us to do. And when we do that, then we, we get ourselves out of the position for victory. I don't know about you, but I want to stay positioned for victory. I want, As TL used to say, I want to stay under the spout where the glory flows out. Amen. I mean, if the, if the, if the glory is flowing out, if the victory is, is overflowing you from God's hands, why in the world would you want to shut the spigot off? Keep it flowing. Because God has brought you to an Amos 9.13 moment where the grapes 
are coming at such a pace that you can't even harvest it all. My darling wife told me that. Was it today you told me that? Because we've got kids coming in. They're wanting to come in, wanting to be a part of this daycare center. We got more coming in tomorrow. We got to hire more teachers and we don't have them. I said, man, I don't know what we, I mean, we, we can't take them if we don't have teachers and we can't, we can't, you know, have just anybody. They have to have certain qualifications and blah, 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 blah. And she just looked over at me and she said, it's that Amos 913 that you've been talking about. Said, just coming in so fast that you can't even keep up with it. Said, isn't this what you asked the Lord for? Said, said, yeah. said, yes, I did. But that's what I'm saying. When you get in that flow, when you get in that flow in God's blessing, why would you reposition yourself? I mean, you, may, you don't have to just stand like this all day long, but the devil knows that I've got to be careful here because the command has not been changed. This person is still standing in a mode of victory because they're doing everything that God told them to do to obtain the victory that they've been asking for. So stay positioned. Stay positioned. And God's victory will continue to flow. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for your word. It's powerful to us. Lord, I want to stay positioned. I really do. I... You know, we've waited so long for what is happening right now. We've prayed for so long. Lord, let us stay there. Let us stay positioned so that we can have all of the blessings and the goodness and the glory that you intend to, for us to have. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.